you'll appreciate this. So on your recommendation, I went and got myself book number one of Sex Criminals. Oh! I cannot tell you the side eye I was getting from the clerk at the bookstore when I went up to the cash to pay for that shit. But it's called that. It's not like you're saying you're looking for a book on how to be one. No, I know, but I'm thinking she was cashing through thinking, oh, this is the kind of literature you like to read. You need it with pictures and you need it dirty. Okay, here you go, sir. No, I'm not even going to ask you to donate a dollar. Well, then, that was good. Well, it was good, but I mean, this is why, you know, this is, I, I pointed you towards Sunstone. This is why I usually buy that shit online. Right. The judgment, really, is all I want to be saved. I can kick in the extra four bucks. Right. I just want to be spared the shame. Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 162 of the Matinee Cast. It's a movie-loving podcast on my movie-loving website, thematinee.ca, your home for cinematic passion and perspective. Today is the second half of a little um, double feature we have going on here on the show where we brought a, a dear friend of the show on in the spring and then told them, pick something you want to talk about in the summer uh, as an even up for coming on uh, quickly. And as it just so happened, those two episodes fall back to back. Although I think I realized this morning that the first time they fell back to back because you were talking about Whiskey Tango Foxtrot on your episode and that was the very next show, actually. So... You and Jess Rogers were bunkmates in the winter, and now you're kind of bunkmates in the summer, so it's kind of cool. My guest is, uh, is a podcaster extraordinaire in her own right, and uh, you got to be going nuts because there was a festival announcement this week. Like, this is your time, right? It was super distracting to have a job this week. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, it was frustrating. And I think something else happened on the internet that day as well. I don't know. There was some other big announcement, and then there was a Gilmore Girls trailer this week. It's just been a lot. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, focusing yeah. has not been good Yeah, this it's week. been a real and, interruption. And we're coming up on a long weekend, so everybody's squirrely anyway. And it's summer. I have to somehow keep in all my outdoor beer drinking time. I know. Those dulcet tones that you heard right there belong to one of the proprietors of Hooray for Anything in a TIFF, and uh, possibly a new show that you're working on-ish, no? Uh, I, I have a couple... Ideas, but I'll wait to announce them. And You'll hear it here first, folks. Um, Petula Neal is here, everybody. Welcome, Petula Neal. How are you? I am. It's a little moist outside, not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, climate change is really giving it to uh, the six this year. For, for, for a minute or two, I was thinking about recording this show outside, but when I saw that we might be hit by a thunderstorm, I was like, that's not going to go so well. Yeah, no. No. Yeah. So on episode 162, we are going to be talking about Star Trek Beyond. We are going to be flipping the record over to play the other side and learning more about Petula. A couple show notes off the top. First of all, I mentioned in the show notes for last episode, if anybody heard a difference in um, the quality of the audio, because I'm using new software to render it and a couple of people got back to me so thank you for the feedback and I don't know if it was just a placebo effect because I put it there saying hey if you hear a difference let me know for better or for worse and then people let me know I, I wonder if they would have told me so unprompted but um, that will continue so I uh, look forward to better quality shows little plug off the top as well I appeared on the last episode of the Row 3 Cinecast it would have dropped around this time last week I'm going to try as hard as I can not to repeat myself because we had a feature discussion about Star Trek Beyond. So if you listen to both shows and you hear me repeat myself, apologies, it happens once in a while, but I'm going to try and come up with some new stuff to talk about. But definitely go to row3.com and uh, look for that episode. I'm going to put a link to the show notes. But um, that's enough of the housekeeping. Let's get into knowing more about Miss Neal. This is Know Your Enemy.
Tula first appeared on episode 131, where we soldiered through Jupiter Ascending. We learned the first films, plural, she could remember seeing in a theater were Gandhi and Out of Africa. The last film she'd seen at the time was I Know That Voice, documentary about animated voice actors. The worst film she's ever seen is Howard the Duck. The unseen classic or essential was Avatar, and I'm guessing the answer to that is still no. Finally watched it on TV. How'd that work out for you? Um, well, first of all, I watched it on TV, not in 3D. Well, yeah. So I missed most of the point. Right. And it really was Ferngully with a slash of Pocahontas. Pretty much, right? Yeah. Um, it really is spectacle. It's the kind of thing... I got to the end of this. I, I might have said this on your other episode. I got to the end of my screening opening weekend in 3D IMAX, and I thought, if somebody doesn't see it like that, it's not going to make a damn impact. So... But really, now you've seen it. Good. And the film that she wished she'd made was Pulp Fiction. Uh, then, on episode 153, where we talked about The Witch, we learned the film she likes that nobody else does, his untamed heart. The film everybody else digs that she does not is under the skin. The movie, sort of, to make her cry was the Cineplex commercial with the snowman. Yes. Uh, <laughs> in the movie of her life, she was played by Michael B. Jordan, uh, who's going to be Killmonger in Black Panther next year. And next, as I mentioned off the top of the show, she was watching Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. So time for round three. Batula, what is the film, and interpret this question in any way you wish, that made your love of film turn a corner? That one is Afterlife. And may I have talked about it on mine many times. I don't know if I've talked about it with you before. Why am I blanking on this movie? It's a Japanese film. Oh, and yeah. yeah okay. The premise Sorry. is when you die, you go to a way station, you pick your best memory of your life, and then people recreate it for you in sort of a kind of mockumentary format. Right. And then you move on. So you have a week to pick this one memory of your entire life. Okay. And these counselors who work there take you through and sort of ask you coaching questions to help you make a good choice. Mm -hmm. So they move you past sort of the childish or kind of just straight up physical gratification options, which yeah, yeah. Hey, normally are right. front of mind or right. front of something to people. <laughs> and the exploration of that and just everything from the performances to the way it's shot, to the costumes, to the lighting. And then also really that is the one where if I explain that premise to somebody, I have had some of the most interesting conversations with people I've ever had in my life after okay. just explaining what that movie's about to people, not even just When did you first it. come across this? It was, I believe, it may have been at the festival. Okay. It was a long time ago. I think it was either at the festival or at something that Colin had put on, but just, I think, just based on its origin. It there wasn't was the kind of thing that was going to be at a Cineplex or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, okay, and, and sort of like what you were just saying there, it made your love turn a corner because of the conversations it would prompt. Like before that, you really weren't having those kind of in-depth discussions with people? I mean, before that, I enjoyed films, but I didn't always try to probe uh, deeper within what the message would be or within my kind of circle of friends afterwards for you know, how something would resonate with them. Mm -hmm. I think as well before I saw that, even before I saw that movie, I would still see things with subtitles or other things, but I wouldn't always go beyond the options. Yeah, yeah. Pun not intended based right, on our right. topic today. Yeah, yeah. That are normally available, but I think that one really opened up, oh, you know, country of origin, language, all of that doesn't really matter. It's just the message. If anything, sometimes watching something through the lens of 
a storyteller from a different background or a different country, uh, it really kind of opens you up a bit more emotionally. I you mean, have to chase that one down. It's That's really like, good. I, I, I love that moment. It's kind of like cool to have that relationship with art when you know you go beyond just well it's awesome and it makes you feel good and it actually you know engages you with other people or it makes you think or reflect or something like that and it's that that's kind of what i'm after with this question it's what a lot of people have given me um with with where film has taken them over the years that's really awesome um definitely gotta check that out afterlife uh what was your first date movie so I was wondering about this question. Is this like, what is my movie that I would take someone nope. to or put on to like get what, in their what, pants? Hey, listen, we <laughs> haven't interpreted the question that way. So if yeah. you have a ready answer, I, I'm gonna go say, for it. No. I was looking for when you were a young lass, Yeah. what was, you know, and you went on a date to a movie, what was the first one? But hey, if you want to throw it that oh, way. Oh, the first time I went on a date to a movie, I think it was with a uh, guy from high school and under full disclosure i'm black he was white and we went to see the bodyguard a bit on the nose <laughs> i mean i don't see and he wasn't any kevin costner but <laughs> it it was a bit i don't think even when we picked the movie we thought about it right and it was a good movie you know i don't think i've ever seen it all the way through after we got out there was sort of a kind of nervous giggle moment of yeah so we saw that together <laughs> on a date yeah that's great. I mean, like, it's not like you went to see Jungle Fever. No, I did see we, that, but not on a first date. Because no. that, no, like, that yeah. would have been too on the nose. Absolutely. You know? like, no, we, we can't. I, like, I want to see it, and you want to see it, but... I don't know if Spike is really a good first date, kind of. I think that's kind of sussing out your date, right? What is the first date movie, if you want to get in there, if you want to get in there? I mean... Do you have one? I think maybe a little... A little Love Jones, maybe, if oh, you want to sure. go old school. All right, yeah, yeah, I like that. Brother of the Night, little Laurent Tate, giving you that uh, Party Peace House, people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is, I, you know, when I was going back off the last um, off the last episode, I think actually one of your answers could pull double duty here, but then again, I don't know. What is your sick day movie? Uh, sick day movie is uh, Dave Chappelle's Block Party. Oh shit! Yeah, okay. So, okay. see, I thought you were gonna go with Untamed Heart again, but okay. Dave Chappelle's Block Party. And because you can fall asleep too during it, because it's a concert movie, but it's funny and it's not like there's a big narrative you have to follow if you're really feeling out of sorts or you have a coughing fit or whatever. Right. But it's just good times and it makes you smile and it's good music, and you can rewind, start again, maybe listen to a couple of the performances. I might just put that on a loop. Yeah. That's, see, that's the. I, I don't think anybody has ever mentioned a concert doc to the as the answer to that question, but that's the cool thing about that one is you can just, you know, if you've got the if you got the function on on your player, just hit replay mm -hmm. and just kind of drift in and out of it, right? Yeah. Especially if it's if, especially if it's when you're feeling sick and you want to sleep. Yeah, and there's a concert doc, but the interstitials are Dave Chappelle doing like a tight five. So yeah, yeah. it's pretty fantastic i i one of the things that will always make me smile like if i'm having a rough day it's kind of my one of my little happy places is dave and mo's deaf doing like really bad jokes yes. while, while mo's is playing the drums yes. hey mo's hey mo's you know just yeah that, that i i i adore that one um like, I, what do you call it industrious prostitute that she has an extra um <laughs> opening on her on her hip so she could make some money on the, the side. side. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm telling it wrong. It's much better oh, than the movie. That's, see, I was but, gonna say that's that's the crime, right? Yeah. Uh, did you see that one at TIFF? 
Yeah, I did. I did. And I'm so pissed at myself that I didn't see that one. So if I saw that one when it played, I was like one of the five. Um, but I imagine that must have been awesome at TIFF. What was the last film to leave you speechless? Uh, so there's two in here. Oh. Uh, double, double prizes, folks. Precious and Hunger, I think, are still the sort of last two that left Ooh. me actually speechless. Both of them uh, in different ways, but both of them, I, I left the movie with a friend, different friends, and just had that moment of just opening and closing your mouth mm -hmm. and just wanting, you know, just brown liquor and something to smoke just to, you know, <laughs> just, take the edge off right. and yeah, get your, get yourself back to center because those are the kind of films that really knock you off center mm -hmm. and make you feel so many of the feelings, so many of the feelings. That was, um, it's kind of funny because I remember Precious was one of those movies that really affected me that year. I, like it was one of my top five films of the year and you know, a lot of people were like, you know, you're never going to think about this movie again after after like 12 months from now, and you're probably never going to revisit it. And I'm like, that may be, that may very well, I, I may not have deep connection, like deep, hard connections to Precious, but I can't discount just how affected I was. Visceral. Well, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, and it's not just a matter of, oh, look how sad right it's look how damaged look how this look like there's just there's so much going on in that movie hunger i didn't see until like two years ago hunger is at the festival and that was a there's a theme there's a theme yeah, growing to this show yeah, that, but, was a, um, that was a rush surprise i didn't see precious at the festival though okay because it was coming out so soon and i usually don't like to see things that are coming out you know within six weeks of the festival i try not to i still end up with a few but yeah that was the year I sat it out. So actually, well, the cool thing about that, though, was that because I was sitting it out and I was mostly just doing the free events, um, that was the year I went and listened to Sapphire actually do, like, the reading from oh, her book. Oh, cool. So, and took some, actually, I took some cool photos of her. I, I want to stretch out your answer, but I think anybody who has knows anything about either one of those movies knows totally why they would leave you speechless, because that's kind of what they're designed to do. Absolutely. Right? Uh, last but not least, what is the film quote that would be your epitaph? Well, the thing is, based on... Uh, pick that I make for our pairing tonight I did toy with game over man <laughs> <laughs> okay. but, that, but uh, I kind of I'll give you like my sort of second choice and my first choice so my second choice is from Louise and Thelma Louise when she says you get what you settle for Oh, okay. I thought, for a second there, I thought you were going to say, let's just keep going. I'm yeah. Like, uh, uh, you oh, get, yeah. You, you get, where does that come up? Uh, when uh, she's talking to Thelma basically about, you know, her life choices. And oh, her, oh, with, with uh, yeah. Daryl? Is that yeah. her husband's name? Yeah. The, the shitty-ass car salesman? Mm -hmm. Right. Especially women and, you know, your life and what you end up doing, whether it's, you know, your job or the man you're with. And if you end up in kind of a messed up situation and... How trippy Basically is it how saying, well that movie is aging? Oh my gosh. Like How well they're aging too. Well, how yeah. well they're aging for sure. Yeah. But I mean, that movie comes on, like I, I saw it at Lightbox like four years ago and thought, holy crap, this movie is still really, really re relevant. And beautiful. It and Oh, it's stunning. Um, and it came, it was on TV like two weeks ago. I'm like, yep, still relevant. You, on the one hand, you're like, 
that kind of sucks. But on the other hand, it's yeah. like, you know, that that's a sign that you've made a great film. Well, yeah, that other line in that movie, which wouldn't be on my epitaph, but, you know, for the record, when a woman's crying like that, she's, she's not, not having, having a good time. time. Yeah. Yeah, that unfortunately is it's, a message that still, still needs to get out there. Uh, and then my number one is uh, right from the opening of New Jack City. It's really the last part of this, but I'll give you the whole line as delivered by Nino Brown, played by the amazing incendiary. <laughs> Easy now. Blade. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, this is his kind of pretense of Blade. Day, day Walker. Yeah. Yeah. yeah day Walker. Yeah. Money talks and bullshit runs a marathon. So see ya. And I wouldn't want to be you. <laughs> I can, you know what? I, I think that that's a mic drop right there. I can see that on a headstone. Just the dates underneath. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dude, you got to do that. You know, like make, make sure that is known. That's more about Tula, um, one of our favorite guests on the show. Hey, listen, you've been on twice this year. We could be a third time coming before December, folks. We'll get to round four and break next speed. Uh, but that we'll have to wait for another day because today we're talking about track. Come on back after this break, folks. Star Trek Beyond is our new slang right after this. Fight the power! 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 We got to fight the power that be! Star Trek Beyond is directed by Justin Lin. It's written by Doug Jung and Simon Pegg. It stars Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Zoe Saldana, Idris Elba, Carl Urban, Simon Pegg himself, John Cho, Anton Yelchin, and Sophia Boutella. Uh, this time around, the Enterprise is very quickly crippled with the crew, kind of in a state of disarray. They've been in deep space for three years. They're all getting a little edgy. Some of them are hooking up. Uh, they're asked by uh, a stranded uh, space goer, shit, let's call her, to, um, to transport her into a nebula where her own ship has become disabled. On their way there, the Enterprise gets destroyed by a villain. Uh, named Crawl, and the crew is then stuck on this planet down below trying to get their shit together, somehow get off this planet, and thwart Crawl's plan. It's only human to look over our shoulder once in a while. When a birthday or an anniversary arrives, it usually becomes occasion to reminisce about the past. If you want an example of this, consider Skyfall and the way it looked back on 50 years of Bond and how Reminiscent is all over that movie, which brings us to Trek. Between the passing of two of its crew members this year and the characters and the characters in the film struggling with existential crises, this is a film that seems to have at least one eye on where it's been and less so where it's going. So, Trekkie, pop quiz, hotshot. Does this film honor the legacy of what has happened over 50 years? Short answer, yes. Okay. Long answer? Much like the beginning with New Kirk, Kirk the Remix, he talks about how his life feels episodic. <laughs> yeah. Not every episode of Trek was for everyone. So if you think of the movies, and really a lot of the movies are just like extended episodes, mm -hmm. this one would have been the kind of episode where maybe your uh, players who you don't normally get to see play a bigger part, like uh, a Jordy and a Worf, would get to shine. Because it's all about, you know, muscle and engineering problem solving. 
you may not get those quieter moments that you would get in some of the other episodes where you see big emotional moments. But overall, it still had the problem solving as one of the main things that the crew had to do. Yeah, yeah. And also that there was some level of diversity and not just in the cast, but the, the way you could attack that problem, you could come at it from different ways. So the different people who were uh, marooned looked at how to get to their objective, approached it in different ways, or they had different problems to solve. And that is at its core sort of what I like about track. It's different types of people using mostly their brains to figure something out. Yes, there's, you know, a Gryffindor-esque level of just dumb bravery involved, but at its core, it's really, you know, problem solving as a team. It really, it it should be used for, you know, more coaching and kind of team building exercises as well. (laughs) It's kind of, usually this is where I answer my own question, but it's kind of difficult for me because I'm not a trekker trekkie which do we go by what is the preferred nomenclature i believe it i i should know this i think I know, it's right? trekkie okay we'll go with that yeah um i am not one <laughs> after all that um i i've got you know i've got a working basic knowledge and i've seen several movies i've seen a handful i've even seen a handful of shows um don't ask me about the original series don't ask me about anything after new generation next generation i'm you know i will just Sit there and be like, yeah. Don't ask you about Admiral Archer's Beagle. Well, no. And we were watching, um, we were watching Orange is the New Black the other day, and Lindsay had to spell out for me that Red was one of the captains. I was like, shut up. Janeway. Yes. Yeah. I was like, what? And then I looked up. I was like, holy shit. So, so like that is how much I'm not a Trekkie. Um, however, the one thing that this film like really seems to want to wail on, and I mean really, really wants to wail on, is the many are more powerful than the one. You, right? you cannot break a stick in a bundle? You cannot break one stick in a bundle, <laughs> no. And I, I think that, for me, has, like, has often been what Star Trek seems to stand for. It's, it's the future where we have gained the knowledge and technology to escape the shackles of this planet, and you cannot achieve something like that, or God knows you can't use it if you don't get everybody on board. And... I think we are forgetting that. It's a great pairing for the week of the Democratic National Convention. Yeah, yeah. We are getting very, very much into a me-first um, mindset, this world is. And it has nothing to do with old or young or anything like that. We are getting very much into, I want to make this light, or I want to watch my show, or I want to listen to what I want to listen to. And it's not always helpful. So in that respect of bringing it back to Together we are limitless. I think it does honor. Um, but you know, enough about the message. What did you think about the actual movie? I was trying not to think about it or talk about it with other people before this. I didn't wow. listen to any other podcasts. Holy crap! Yeah, I, I'm, been, I am like I'm, I moved. Thank yeah. you, man. This, this is a long week. It must have been a long week for you. Yeah. So the for the first time, somebody today asked me about it. It was just a couple minutes before a meeting, and I liked it. I liked it. I was predisposed to like it. I'm going to be what somebody would call you know an apple sheep or like a marvel fan person whatever i would have probably liked this movie even if it was terrible but sometimes that can work against you right but i am aware i was missing a couple of the things that i loved the most about the last two movies which is i didn't have a moment that made me really 
just have uh, who's cutting onions in here. So the first 15 minutes of the 2009 one where I cry as much as I cry in the beginning of Up when, you know, young Wait skinny hems were. There were moments in this movie that seemed to be designed but to, they didn't, to, like, you know, they might as well like have just sprayed in the dust. They didn't let them build, though. Uh, so the beginning of the first one where you get the, you meet young, adorable George, and then, you know, crazy stuff happens, crazy stuff happens. Oh, my goodness. Why is his boss leaving the ship? Why does the captain always go alone somewhere? <laughs> and then, you know, it's all, oh, no, oh, no, Tiberius is a terrible name. And all of a sudden, I'm weeping, and I don't know when that happened. <laughs> and then, obviously, the, you know, the you have it. And then it will always be my friend remix. Right, right. And Into Darkness. So, so you didn't have that this I time. didn't have a full on, but I feel like, and I don't want to fully point fingers at Simon Pegg, but I feel like uh, the movies and even the show to a certain extent, uh, they're always balanced, but there's always certain characters that get a little more time. And in every, whether it's a TV show or the movies, there's certain characters that get, it would seem like a little more time, a few more lines, and not just more time and lines, more time and lines together. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I feel like original series and the new movies have really doubled down on the bromance of really the fathers of slash fiction, which is Kirk and Spock. Mm. That relationship is core to, you know, the fans and fan fiction yeah, that, yeah. you know, love that. Oh, yay. You know, <laughs> like, oh, wow, they're really looking soulfully in each other's eyes. Like there would be no Bucky and Cap without, yeah, Kirk, without and Kirk and Spock. And I feel like I definitely did not have enough of that relationship in here so i didn't end up you know weeping uncontrollably and i didn't have enough of kirk and spock together i feel like the whole movie they were thinking about how their choices would affect each other but you didn't have enough time to see why in this movie you needed the other two movies to understand why they hadn't told that person and okay. bones kind of filled in that role for both of them he was kind of like their emotional surrogate yeah. to bridge that gap but it still wasn't it didn't give me that time that they normally have together. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I liked it, didn't love it. I certainly dug the plot. I thought the idea to strand them and to and to take them away from what is like handily their greatest weapon and say, okay, you know, here's here's to to take it back to James Bond. Here's a gun and a radio. Go save the day. You know, to to do that, I thought was was really really. Uh, clever and a nice way to bring this series back to the original sort of thing where they would often just go off onto planet and you know have just have their phasers in a, in a way to get home and this time they didn't even have the way to get home um, I, I liked I actually really like the incorporation of old tech into this I, 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 I like that this one had a way of looking at the past without making it a complete joke uh, for one of these episodes in the past somebody pointed me towards part four or whichever one it is that they go to san francisco in the 80s um this was the one with um with kirstie alley okay yeah that's so, one of the good ones okay so but that was also the one where scotty's talking to the apple computer like through the mouse um yeah no not that i i, I don't like it when going to the past is played too much for kitsch right but this one when they were talking about things like how the old ship works and look at these screens and yeah, the transporter beam designed for cargo. Yeah. The transporter beam, like, you know, they, they get transported like, Oh man, I felt that. You know, like, like that, those are all pretty cool tricks. Um, and it just, it kind of seemed to lack a little something, which maybe, you know, it's kind of funny because I wasn't thinking about it before, but maybe it was that real emotional, 
crux that wasn't there this time, despite, you know, all of the outpouring of love for Leonard Nimoy. And, you know, in, in a lesser extent, the fact that this is the first of the three where um, Anton Yelchin was really pushed forward. You were talking about how, you know, you're not crazy about the fact that somebody always kind of gets short shifted. I think the one thing that's kind of cool is they'll sometimes send somebody to the backbench, but somebody else gets to have their turn up front. And, you know, obviously they couldn't have known this was coming, but it was kind of fortuitous that this was the time that Yelchin got to go front as, um, as Chekhov and unfortunately the last, right? So for me, I, I dug, but I didn't love it kind of the way I did the first two. And it might just also be the fact that a wee tiny bit of fatigue is setting in now that we're three episodes deep into this, but um, you know, there's, they're coming back with a fourth one. So they got lots of time. Um, but speaking of which, this is the first of this new uh, series for Star Trek's films where we have a new creative team. J.J. Abrams picked up his lightsaber and he's off doing his thing. Well, he was, and Lord knows what he's doing now, but I don't really see him coming back. Orkin Kurtzman did not write this one. This is the one you had Simon Pegg and, and Jung. The, so you're, like you were saying, in contrast to the other two, do you think that this might be a tougher go? Like this team might be a tougher go for you? With the, like these writers, this director? What I did like is that instead of sounding exactly the same, it sounded different and not different, not genuine, but more that they acknowledged and allowed the characters to change a bit more than I think any of the series did. Okay. So, you know, in the first movie, Sulu, like, forgets to take the parking brake off. But in this one, you know, when he's asked, can you fly this? And he gives, like, a captain, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the all of the characters, they seem much more. They've been on a three-year deep space mission. And, oh, yeah, they've done some baller stuff in the other movies. So they're a little more self-assured, their relationships with each other with their roles on the ship, they're a bit more mature and you can see that there's a difference. So I do kind of like that they were different voices for these characters because you got to have that. Pine seems to have aged quite a bit in six years, hasn't he? Well, like he's still, get me wrong, he's still, he's still boyish and all that jazz, but it's like, he's looking like, not, not weathered or anything like that, but he's, he's, I'm like, I'm looking at him like, that's right, you're not a kid now. And in a way, it's almost similar to what happened on the original series where Shatner clearly um, maybe didn't use as much moisturizers anymore. <laughs> and obviously, no one's going to age as well as Michelle Nichols. Like, Zoe Zaldana looks almost exactly the same. Yeah. And then everybody else, even Chuck Anton, he was actually starting to actually look a, like a grown man for the first time. It's weird, isn't it? Isn't and I it? saw Green Room last year, and he looked so young in that. He looked really young at the Q&A. But in this one, he was starting to look a little bit more... But yeah, John Cho and Zoe Saldana are really sort of once again proving why um, there's issues for, you know, maybe all the Hollywood shade against actors of color is just they're mad that we don't they age. Don't, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like, Regina King, yeah, you had 20 extra years to get to where you should have been right after 227. <laughs> and we're still going to make you work for oh, it. Oh, man. Um you know, I, I I like those those first two films a lot, actually, and I and I don't know if I don't like this movie because I, I shouldn't even say I don't like this movie. I should say I don't know if I don't love this movie because of their involvement. I will say this: I, I like Doug Jung and and uh, Simon Pegg's writing for sure, both yeah. in terms of the story and also just on a moment to moment basis. You know, like stuff like you gave your girlfriend a piece of radioactive material. 
No, no, I gave it. I, I can find her. You gave your girlfriend a the tracker. <laughs> Stuff like that. And then the little callback later on. Yeah, it just gives them the side eye. Yeah, it's great. It, yeah. Stuff like that I really, really love because Orky and Kurtzman were just getting a little too tinfoil hat by the end of um, Into Darkness. So I, I, I like that. And then, of course, we've got Idris in this movie. Now, okay, you can settle this for me because my, my friend... I didn't even know. So, well, there's that. Okay. So, but I avoided. Uh, I avoided. avoided. News. Okay. I went in. Um, I like to go in. So Andrew James on the Row 3 Santa cast wasn't sure. And near as, I, near as my minor digging could tell, I can't tell either. Is Crawl an established character or have they just come up with something totally new? I think it's something new. Although he kind of evokes... I mean, first of all, there's the Cree... And then there's like that movie Crawl or something or Crawl. Yeah. And it definitely just even that combination of letters makes me think, you know, Marvel, monster villain. Sort of. Like, 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 yeah, the there's, there's definitely that very, influence. Um, yeah. It's like Cher, know, Madonna, like just anybody with one name, you need to watch out for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, most of these movies are kind of, kind of win or lose based on their villain. It's remains. Marvel's problem is that they've had one good villain on screen and that's it. Uh, how, how did Crawl do for you as a heavy? Without getting into, by the way, the ultimate reveal of who he is, because I think that is actually what makes him so fascinating. And we're going to try and leave that just in case somebody hasn't seen it yet. But in general, how did he do for you as a villain? I feel like I needed the reveal to understand the motivation because... Otherwise he's just a mustache twirler? Yeah, whereas with the first movie, you get the motivation right from the very beginning for Eric Bana's villain. This one, you don't get it until much later. Yeah. But... but so did that have you sitting there wondering, what the hell, dude? Or... Like, on the other hand, I do like the part of the problem that they had to solve. Like, everybody had different problems they had to solve. You know, Scotty and Jayla were working on, you know, how do we get another ride? And Uhura and the other prisoners were working on either how do we escape or like find some way to mount some sort of offense. Right. And Kirk was working on how do I keep the thing that this person wants away from them and also why are they doing this? Because the motivation, that's the thing. It's a through line for all of the captains that's sometimes super frustrating on the show when you agree with, you know, your whoever your security officer is who just wants to blow it up and back away, like you're Mr. Pink, your wharf, like that's... Right. You know what, it would be 10 episodes, 10 minutes every episode if you could just blow it up and move along. Yeah. And the captain always wants to know why, because it is about, you know, boldly going and, you know, exploring and meeting new people, and it's not sort of the current kind of culture of swiping right or left. It's, you know, you want to... It's the difference between somebody who would do that or fill out all those eHarmony questions. And the finding out why was the problem that Kirk had to solve. And I feel like while that was his his assignment for this, I would have liked to know some of that a little bit earlier so that that villain would be more interesting because they were only interesting in the sort of last half of I the mean, third yeah. or, or the first half of the third act. I like I, I that's true. And I think at the at the end though, is that I think that's actually what makes that third act so compelling. Because in the third act it's still it's still a chase and a punch up, right? Which is kinda where these films like where two of the three films have ended is a chase and a punch up. Um, so in order to make it any bit more interesting, you need to know 
who this person is and lordy does that come really late like mm -hmm. you know that's like that's not even a third act reveal that's like a you know there's 10 minutes on the clock kind yeah. of reveal it's not a twist it's not really a twist it's the hey it's this person yeah um and i do like how they find out because it uses one of the other characters special skills yeah of being able to sort of hear certain things and notice you know voice tone etc yeah um it's in like the, the thing i like about it is that actually it stands in contrast to uh, a villain like the joker who just is absolute chaos and it's like you know at, at a certain point absolute chaos is just a cop-out if you want to say that somebody is going to do something because they're nuts and verbatim they want to watch the world burn that's great but that's not how a lot of the most evil things were achieved a lot of the evil things in, in history were achieved because somebody thought i think we're gonna we should do this the hell with all these people and and that's the thing finding out what they want to do that to me makes a more interesting villain these films getting a little too action-packed a little too kinetic because trick generally tended to be a little bit more about the philosophical end of it not about as i said the chase and the punch-up on one hand i understand why you would want to take them off the ship for a lot of this one onto a motorcycle just to have into, something you, else to do okay however to your point then it adds this level of well then you're gonna end up you know getting into more fights and having more of your little you know set pieces and that was it was a bit distracting that was what i liked least about the first trailer that it made it seem sort of like fast and furious in space well you know you know it, like i said the second you attached justin lynn to this movie you were you were going down that road right and the, and, the, and the fact that there's one major sequence that's a chase with a motorcycle again you're kind of really really nodding this is where we're coming from this time as mm -hmm. opposed to, you know if they had handed this to somebody like i don't know like like christopher nolan or like or or you know, Duncan Jones or something like that, you would have had a whole other idea of where you were going. You know, that, that's what I'm saying. If you had handed it to one of those directors, you probably would have, you, you would have gone in with a different expectation. The second you hand it to the Fast and Furious guy, you're like, well, we're going to have chases. Like, there's no way that we don't have chases. And, as, and that's what I'm saying. Like, as a longtime fan, is that getting on your nerve? Like, are you done with that? Are you, on, you okay with a bit of that? I'm okay with a bit of it, especially because they've made this Kirk a bit more like that, even from his intro as, you know, baby Kirk. Yeah. On, on uh, you the, had a through line of his activities, the, and then when he first goes to like hop on the transport, he is riding a motorcycle. Like there's, it is more you know generic action broish. However, the way they did it fit that character, so I'll allow it. Okay. Do you have a favorite character this time around? That's a tough one, actually, because I did, there were a lot of those small moments that I really liked. I really liked the moment of who are figuring things out, and I really love that sort of, like, of course I can fight this thing <laughs> from Sulu. And I will say that even though there was a lot more Scott, I think I still, there's something about Quinto's performance of Spock is just... And really, now this time I got more of him and Bones. Mm -hmm. Like I, Carl Urban is consistent in, in a way. His character is the one that's changed the least. Yeah. But the one that I will always love, you know, sort of in the top three, and the other two may change movie to movie. But um, I did enjoy. I won't say one character, but I enjoyed my Bones and Spock time. 
Okay. A yeah. lot. Like, it, that was... It's, I, it's I was like, truly enjoying myself. I wasn't thinking about... Oh, it's, the Star Trek, it's the Star Trek Midnight Run, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, am I enjoying this more or less than, you know, that movie or this movie? That was, I think, their time on screen together was when I was just enjoying myself. Yeah. yeah. I really like uh jayla i they they set her up to continue with this series and i really hope that they do keep her um both in terms of the gumption that she represents um what she can you know we're, we're talking about how this is a really diverse cast and you know one more woman on the ship could not hurt all this you know broishness i'm sure uh i i, I lord knows i like her taste in music you know, Absolutely. I, you know, I, I lo- what is it? I love the beats and the yelling. Yes, yes, the beats and shouting. <laughs> I love yes. the beats and shouting. That you know, I, I really, I do hope that they bring more of her, and you know that she's not just a damsel. Um, I, I kind of think they tripped over that last time with um, Alcee. Yeah, you know, like the, there was somebody who was really clever as a character, who had history as a character. That is a great actor. That, a great actor. That walk and, and talk just, with her and Chris yeah, Evans. And they oh, just didn't so know how to use her. So I'm kind of hoping that this time around that, you know, well, first of all, that we got it with Jayla. Um, Sophia Butella did a wonderful job under like 20 pounds of makeup. And that there's the possibility that we may get more of her going forward. Yeah, her moment when she was looking... And again, we're trying not to be too specific about certain beats, but she was looking out of a window. Mm-hmm. That was, and again, under all of that makeup, that was probably the closest I came to kind of a eye moisture moment. <laughs> it was, it was pretty fantastic. I loved her performance, but in that moment, you sort of see, okay, these are all the things that this character has gone through, and for you know her especially she was having a separate kind of emotional experience from everyone else because everyone else is focused on let's solve the next problem she's She's thinking my whole life has just changed and also she's kind of living in the moment she's like enjoying herself like she's having a moment that's you know did you drink all those yourself yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um (laughs) my kind of girl yeah there you go um, we end our reviews here on the matinee cast with a souvenir, something tangible or intangible that if you could take away from this film and keep, you would. Um, Why do I always forget this? Because I always forget to tell you. It's I, uh... not you, it's me. So you think about that because I know what mine is. The second I saw it, I'm like, I want, Ryan want, um, in the intro to this film, Kirk comes off an elevator and he's holding a Starfleet coffee cup. Oh, yeah. It's white, and it's got a nice little stylish version of the logo. And I'm thinking, I need that in my life. It is just the right size for the amount of coffee I drink. It's simple. It's clean. It would look great on my Instagram next to whatever book and I'm reading. And you can probably buy that. I've, you know what? A, it was such a product shot. I was going to say, I wager, I, 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 you know, Christmas Christmas is way too far off. I'm just going to have to like buy that for They myself. may have it at the Star Trek booth at uh, Fan Expo when that happens uh, around Labor Day. Very, I, I will. Uh, they're, they're, now you're talking. Yeah. Um, that's what That would be my souvenirs. I, I, I need that coffee cup. Did you think of something tangible or intangible that you want? I do like uh, Jayla's stick. Mm. 
Yeah, she's got a she's got a really cool. Um, she has kind of a ray. It's been. A, it was gonna say of... it's been a good little like twelve months for for badass women in sticks. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. like yeah, you keep your little glowy sword thing. I'm gonna yeah. be here with this blunted stick, yes. and I'm still gonna kick your ass. Sticks are the new fighting sticks are the new arrow. I love yeah. it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. We rate here on the matinee cast on a scale of one to four stars. Petula Neal, what do you give Star Trek Beyond? I have to do at least a three point two five. Okay. I'm a little bit lower than you. I'm a three, and it's weird because as I've talked about it this week and as I've written about it, I, I find myself endeared more and more to it. So I think it was just I might have had to recalibrate my expectations going in or just, like, let it sit because I am – the more I reflect on it, the more I like about it. But it's just in comparison, especially to the first one. The first one to me is – It's an, almost a perfect movie. Oh, it's so good. And that's the thing. It's, it, it, it set the bar so high right out of the gate that a lot of them have had trouble living up. But I, I really, really do love this movie. Uh, hey, maybe we're both wrong. Maybe this film is absolutely perfect and we're just underselling it. No, the um, first one was a J.J. pilot, which, as we discussed, is awesome, right? Always yeah. perfect, yeah. Um, or, hey, maybe you're one of the people who thinks it sucks. Let me know. Brian at matinee.ca, Twitter, Brian Matinee underscore CA, or Facebook.com. Uh, what do you think of Star Trek Beyond? Come on back right after this. We're going to take a quick break to flip the record over and play the back she's Petula I'm Ryan we're talking on episode 162 of the matinee cast um, we're gonna flip the record over and talk about uh, Petula's choice for the other side to go along with Star Trek Beyond you went back to 1986 30 goddamn years ago oh my goodness and you uh, you chose a James Cameron joint um, aliens to go along with this movie um, it is of course the sequel to the landmark horror sci-fi classic where the wreckage ship gets attacked and the crew gets picked off one by one it's jaws in space if you haven't seen it i don't know what's wrong with you um aliens is the sequel where they go back and they find that the species was not eradicated and that it's attacking the whole damn colony and uh, problems ensue do you remember your first experience with this movie I don't even remember when or how I first saw it. I was definitely too young to see it when <laughs> I did. It wasn't in theater. But, yeah, I just remember being scared, but I couldn't stop watching it. Because, for many reasons, you know, could just say because reasons, and anyone who's seen it would understand, but it was also ladies. Yeah. And... I mean, yes, Sigourney, 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 but also Vasquez, mm -hmm. who's actually played by an adorable Jewish lady who is some sort of weird, hey, it's that guy as shapeshifter, who was also Janelle in Terminator 2, and oh, was also shit, like Irish yeah. mom in Titanic. Holy shit. She's almost like Cameron's Greg Grumberg. Right, right. Yeah. He'll wow. just like toss her into different things like a spice. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So since you jumped right there, like this, this is actually going to be my next point. Was thinking about this movie from a heroine perspective because I went and saw this movie uh, two years ago or so, maybe three years ago, um, with dear friend of the show Kate Bradford, and she came away from it thinking, ah, well, that was okay. I don't know, maybe whatever. And I just said, look at what else was playing in 1986. Like look at look down the list of like the top 20 movies. And think about the stories and think about the cast. 
And to me, looking back on it, as somebody who was a little bit too young to appreciate that at the time, um, it strikes me as, holy crap, look at this badassery in heroinism. Not the drug, the actual, you know, female hero. Although excited about the transbody sequel. Yes. Does that hold water? Because I, like, I, I, or am I just trying to mansplain feminism? I mean, I think when you encounter this movie... Now and then. It's hard to now think of a world where this was an anomaly. Because you've had all of the other movies, including Terminator 2 that was after this. I think it was after oh, this. Yeah. Terminator 1 had just happened. Yeah, and, and uh, Avatar. Or and... I guess they just called it Terminator yeah. back then. <laughs> uh, all of these other movies hadn't happened yet. So for people who encountered it back then, I'm sure it definitely landed with them a lot harder. Whereas you just have to let people respond because some people just respond to you know, kind of the horror movie in space element. And if you're just into horror, this has some of the best kind of suspense things. And all of the, you know, truisms of a horror movie, like going off alone, making bad decisions, not telling people what you're really up to. Don't look behind you. All of that stuff is, that's all there. And whether it's, you know, a female or a male character who's going to be sort of your designated want to live and you just make bets for the rest of the movie on who's going to die first based on how much of an other they are, how much you dislike them, where the person you dislike the most probably will make it almost to the end, but then have a super satisfying grisly death. But then the person you like the most will probably die first. And then they sort of go somewhere else in between based on, especially in the eighties, were they a color? Were they another? Were they both? So that stuff, you can just enjoy it that way without thinking of the cultural you know, significance of a movie happening at that time with a woman who looks like that doing the things that she does. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the hard thing for people like us who watch a lot of movies is you do want to, and I'm not going to say mansplain, I'm going to say kind of movie-splain why this means something. Right. Like whether it's people telling me that New Jack City is basically just... um, it's Scarface. It's Scarface with black people? Yeah, it's 100% Scarface with black people. (laughs) Even in the movie, they have a direct Scarface reference. Right. I hadn't ever seen Scarface. I saw New Jack City before I saw Scarface. Right. I didn't need somebody to tell me that for me to enjoy New Jack City. When I finally did watch Scarface, I didn't like it as much as New Jack City. Because I'm sorry, which one had color me bad? (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. You know, it's, it's kind of funny because I think... It's weird to try to say to somebody, well, you weren't there. You don't know like what it was like to see this for the first time, you know, and on, on, on the one hand, you shouldn't have to like, you know, it, it should just be somebody, somebody should just be able to watch this and just take it as it is. I do think that a little bit of context sometimes can go a long way, you know, like, like kind of like when I, I, I was trying to write as a blind spot about Shaft. And I need I needed to talk to somebody who was older than me and saw it at the time and said, when I saw it, this is what I did and did not see in the movies. This is what I did see in the movies. This is what I saw in that movie. Hey, while you're at it, this isn't something I saw in a movie six months before it. Right? So like that kind of thing. I think it's but but at the same time, it should still be able to stand on its own. Right? So if somebody like Kate sees and goes, eh, I don't know how much you could discount that. But do they like horror anyway? Do they oh, like yeah. suspense movies anyway? Yeah. Then do you like sort of the art of Geiger, whatever, all of that? 
if that stuff lands with you, then you would like it whether or not you care about any of the other stuff. Yeah. You know what's... The, the crazy thing I think about this movie is... So this is one of these films where it is a radical shift in tone from what came before it. Alien in 1979 was very, very still, very, you know, Ken Little Indians, very classic sci-fi. Whereas this one, it's it's an action movie in space, right? It, it has... Action horror. Action horror in space has more and much more in common with like Star Wars than it does with its predecessor, which had a little bit more in common with 2001. How come this is the one that gets away with it? You know, any other franchise, if you were to really shift gears that hard, especially with Alien was beloved, I, I've always wondered how this was the this was the film that was able to say, okay, we're gonna take everything you just did, basically tear it up with the exception of taking your heroin, and we're going to go off in this other direction. And everybody bought it. Well, back then, sequels weren't fan service, and this didn't happen. This wasn't announced in the end credit stinger. No. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, Ripley okay. will oh, return. Okay, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it wasn't like that. It happened years later, different director, uh, no social media, and also it was brought together because somebody thought, oh, we could tell another story with these people. And yeah, they never thought that, you know, Sigourney would ask for a living wage. I mean, she made, you know, tens of thousands for the first one. She made a million for this one. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, more for subsequent films. But it was just, hey, this was pretty good. We could do this again. There's more stuff there because we left a lot of it open-ended. Yeah. It's, so why not? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's funny because I think sometimes why not gets Hollywood in a lot of trouble. Right and 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 not paying attention, but this is the I th there's so few times where it's happened where they've taken something and just changed it so drastically and still come away with something good. Maybe that's something. Maybe that says something to Cameron. Maybe that says something to hey you Terminator guy that worked out really well for us. What else do you want to do? Cameron actually has good pet like a great track record. He has a great track record for women in his films, maybe if not women in his life. This is another one of those people <laughs> where you need to separate the art from the artist. He was married to Gail Ann Hurd, I think, when they were working on this. Sure. And then he ended up with Lynn Hamilton, and then he ended up with Susie Amos, and then he ended up like, he, Catherine Bigelow's there's in there a whole, as well. Oh, right, Catherine yeah. Bigelow. How could I forget her? Yeah. She was, was she before or after Lynn Hamilton? Oh, I can't remember. I don't even know. However... His personal life and the things he produces and how female characters are portrayed, I mean, he's such a friend of women on screen, which is so interesting. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> it's it's amazing that, you know, the, the yeah, the same guy who gave us Sarah Connor and Rose DeWitt Decatur and Blue Zoe Saldana. Blue Zoe Saldana and Ellen Ripley is a moron. It kind of defines mansplaining, like in it. It's like you know, you you can you can talk the talk really well, but you still gotta do some other shit. Yeah, I'll still give him uh, an attaboy because he still does a better job than oh, say a Matt Damon. Sure. Yeah. In terms of what he does on screen, and who gets to be in his movies with him? Yeah. Yeah. Now, what was the ultimate takeaway from this movie? Like, why, when we came to Star Trek Beyond, did you get to thinking about aliens as a, as a, as a match set? Well, it has sort of the left behind and not in the religious way aspect. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. 
it has the bad decisions. You're not knowing the agenda of others leading to the bad decisions Who becoming Paul fatal. Reiser could be such a good weasel. Eh? Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. He's yeah. a great weasel. They had, I didn't even know when I picked this, they had a whole Comic-Con reunion panel on this. Yeah. This year. Yeah. yeah. They did. They Which did. I also haven't been able to watch because I didn't want to pollute my thoughts about right, it. Right, right, right. And it had, you know, well, this one had two very strong female characters. So that was sort of, I built a list of things. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a great pick. It, like, I, I definitely think if somebody liked one, they would like the other. And, you know, shit, I've always said, if somebody's never seen Aliens, it's... Uh, if somebody doesn't like this movie, I don't know what to do with that And you person. don't need to see any of the other no, movies in the franchise no, to enjoy this so one. No, it is so beautifully well-contained. They, yeah, they just give you what you need at the beginning and say... And none of it matters, you know? We, we, we took the creature. That's all you really need to know. Um, Aliens, 1986. It's a great little match set with uh, Star Trek Beyond. But I have another one that I believe is a nice match set that we're going to talk about. So come on back. We're going to talk about one more movie and uh, close out the show right after this. My choice on the other side, in case you couldn't tell by that iconic music, was from 1963. It's by John Sturgis. It's The Great Escape, people. World War II epic where a POW camp is, um, you know, the, the, the scene of uh, one of the greatest heist, heist in reverse almost. They're not looking to pull something off. They're looking to get themselves out. Um, and the cast in this movie, of course, is suitably epic. Steve McQueen, James Garner, Richard Attenborough, Charles Bronson, James Coburn. Uh, did you get to watch it for this episode? I did. Had you, You'd seen it before? No. Oh! Okay, what'd you think? What'd you think? I'm going to say, first of all, uh, the buggy-eyed boss guy that was kind of hot. I could not believe that was bad decisions guy from Jurassic Park. Right? Right. <laughs> it's really trippy when you see some of these people when they're younger, isn't it? Also, once again, reminding me, I'm so sorry, white people, that you don't age that well. Because I feel like if you watch a Denzel in Glory and you watch a Denzel in Equalizer, there's like a few differences. But, yeah. you know, it's not, not like that. It's not like the difference between, yeah. Right? Oh my God. And Bronson. Oh my God. All of those guys could get it, first of all. So yeah. <laughs> let's just lay that down. I understand that they were all good actors, but they also uh, definitely were handsome. Very handsome. Uh, I enjoyed not knowing much about it. I mean, obviously the title and the setup, but I liked that this clearly seemed to be a movie from an era where storytellers were allowed to tell the whole story and they didn't have to cut as much. Um, they didn't have to make it kinetic. They didn't have to do all that action, action, action. You were able to have suspense, but you were able to have quiet moments. You were able to see how the sausage gets made. So you didn't have huge leaps in logic of how somebody accomplished something. You didn't yeah. have dumb conversations at the bar afterwards with your other movie nerd friends about, well, how did they do this? Yeah, how did yeah, they get yeah. rid of all of that? Or blah, 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 blah. Because they, Spelled they gave them all the time. Of it out yeah. for you. Uh, that I really enjoyed. But, you know, again, it was a reminder of, right, in the old days and in most of the current days, Spotlight, <laughs> Big Short, you can just have a movie full of nothing but white dudes. Okay, yes, Rachel McAdams, Spotlight, but still, 
and these are your big movies these are your classics these are the ones that last and there's no consideration of other mm-hmm. whether it's gender or other other and that is just a world where it's harder for certain people to get that you know little patch of sunshine that little bit of switzerland like you know, it's one of those things where I can I can sort of understand. Well, absolutely, nobody other would be an officer, so you wouldn't be in that camp. That, well, I was gonna say, well, but yeah, but they're they're not all. Were they all officers in that well, camp? I think that's why they were in the fancy camp where you weren't treated badly. Because I thought it was just it was the ones that were escaping the most. It was um, a little bit of that. Because I, I was, also... like, was going to say, like, I, be- I, I, I can certainly believe that a person of color wouldn't have been an officer, but you're not going to tell me that there weren't any brothers in the yeah. U.S. Army. But they had some sort of rank, time. which is why nobody expected that they would right. be treated a certain way. Yeah. Um, and I like, you know, I, I sort of think that's why now there's this kind of push to put out movies that aren't quite as good, but they do tell the stories of stuff like Miracle at St. Anna and Red Tails and that kind of thing, because it's, you know, in glory to a lesser extent stories that haven't been told that certainly need telling um, maybe not the way red tails was <laughs> no. moving on moving, moving right on. along <laughs> um i this is a movie this is one of the classics that i really dig part of it is because of the length like we were talking about sick day movies off the top of the show and this is one that i can throw on just because i know it's gonna keep on going that i can drift in and drift out and okay where are they now oh they're digging holes okay where are they now oh they're sharing hooch and oh hey look they're out and, and they're the, the thing I dig about this movie is, even though it's called The Great Escape, that's not the crux. Uh, the, that is the crux of the movie, but it's not the whole point, right? It's like, okay, now what, right? Sixty of you or so got out. Now what happens? And you give, like we were talking about, like giving them the, the, the scope and the leeway to do that and scattering them to the wind. Like that was the, that was the main connection, the, the two connections that I had with... Um, with Star Trek was one scattering the team to the wind because you it, um, escape keeps them all together much longer. But then once the once the plot twists, then you get McQueen over here and you get Attenborough over here and you get Bronson doesn't even want to get out of his hole and minor spoilers for Great Escape in case people haven't seen it. But I dig you get Spain guy. You get Spain, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, and of course, I I couldn't I couldn't resist. Uh, after watching Chris Pine zip around on that motorcycle, after mapping out what the compound looks like, I was like, we need to go back to The Great Escape. Absolutely. Right? Because that, that is like the motorcycle movie. Um, but speaking of Chris Pine, so, of course, like one of the cool heroes at the crux of this movie is Steve McQueen. Why do you think we're not getting actors and cool heroes like Steve McQueen as much anymore like it it doesn't seem like anybody really has at least of this generation of movie stars the the, the generation before it absolutely because you got people in there like will smith and like you said like denzel and you know even though he's a jackass himself like johnny Depp and tom cruise um who were cool heroes but it feels like our generation hasn't really produced any really cool heroes what was like what's the difference between steve mcqueen and chris pine I almost feel like right now actors aren't allowed to be as cool as they want to be because whether it's insurance reasons or PR or other things, they aren't allowed to be at least publicly the full person that they would be occasionally doing weird or interesting things. Okay. Or when they do, it's kind of like, 
advertises them, you know, breaking the rules, whether it's, you know, Orlando Bloom still jumping out of planes when he was under the Lord of the Rings insurance, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or you McGregor riding his motorcycles or whatever, you have to really try to color outside the lines. I feel like it is almost easier for actors outside of the North American system to have some other element uh, or interest in their life that gives them something interesting to do, to mm. portray. Um, there's a couple guys who are close. I'm going to even say Charlie Hunnam was, is all, could have almost been there, but he hasn't gotten a chance to do something um, on more of a side that allows you to see the full range of his ability to be physical, but also deliver a good performance, which he does. I mean, go back to Undeclared. Like, let's remember. Oh, yeah. Before Shit. they put the muscle on, just like, you know, adorable young skinny Thor at the beginning of the 2009 Star Trek like that I weep every time and you know young muscly pre-muscly Charlie Hunnam that was a great kind of you know sensitive douche bro that you would still like get Mm -hmm. it I I sort of feel like if anybody's close in this generation I sort of feel like Oscar Isaac Oh, oh well no he's already there but he's not that same level of absolutely walking in the bar and panties are dropping that because Stephen Queen would be. Sure. Oh, well, yeah. Well, but, but few people are. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, they would, but they would because it's Oscar Isaac, whereas just on the surface of it, like, that guy is, you know, the guy maybe working the fry basket at McDonald's. Steve McQueen was working the fry basket at McDonald's. He could still get it. Right, right. Um, and so could Chris Pine, <laughs> but... Less so. Like, yeah. I think if you saw Chris Pine slinging French fries, you'd wonder... What's your damage? Yeah, you know, like you, you should not be back there. What, what, what's what's going on? Versus with Steve McQueen, you'd be like, "Hey, what's up?" But that single tear that Chris Pine had at the Oscars during the performance of Glory, he has uh, a lot of the the ladies on Black Twitter that night were like, "Hello, Chris Pine, how <laughs> you doing?" Oh man, did um, did the length of this movie get to you at all? Because I know we've kind of gone to an ADD. Uh, society and actually if you want to know we like kind of here's something into the nuts and bolts of the show we're recording a day later than we were originally going to and part of the reason why was because after i saw star trek beyond i was like we need to talk about the great escape and i need a whole night to watch that because it's three hours what could a director either like jj abrams or justin lynn do with three hours of trek for instance but you give me more bro time well there's that but I don't feel like studios want to, studios don't really want to cough that up. And it's so weird because for so long, we were going pretty damn long with a lot of these action movies. We were going like two hours and 45 minutes. This is revenue-based though, so they can have so many screenings in a day. But, uh, so that's the thing, but are we, are we, are we lesser because of that? Because they will give you more length if it means more stuff blowing up real good. But they won't give you more length if it means more, digging of the holes or more hey this guy happens to be going blind or more scattering the sticks to the wind the mediums change the message though right does everything need to be a symphony do i not like music because songs ideal length for radio play was three minutes so even though nobody listens to songs on the radio anymore or not as many people they still sort of are much closer to the three-minute length than they are to the length of a symphony. I mean... Well, I guess that's my question, though. Do you miss the symphony? I like classical music, but that's because I'm a nerd that used to play the violin. 
I wouldn't actually say You are an that. enigma wrapped in a mystery. <laughs> like every episode, I find out new shit. I, I was second it. chair in the All Scarborough <laughs> Concert Orchestra. Shit, Not man. only was I a nerd, I was a nerd that like got recruited you. from other nerds to play with nerds from different schools. I'm going to get you to like play the Franz Ferdinand song that this thing goes out on or the White Stripe song that it comes in on. I'm going to use that oh, for God. an episode. It's been years. Um, My finger work needs some work. So you... Um, hmm... So, you, um, phrasing. You have. You know, I'm so happy that this is an audio thing, and people can't see me blushing. Um, you think that this is special because it gets the length, as opposed to if this was the norm, we would grow weary of it. I think your story is your story. This, in a way, I thought about Heat a lot actually while I was watching this, and oh, yeah. Heat is a movie that. I feel I gave a bit too much time, but it, now that I've seen this movie, I can see the, if it wasn't directly inspired, maybe it was sort of an earworm in there mm -hmm. because you have all of these very different characters and you want to have time to get to know why people are doing things. So it's almost like a reverse heat where he has a lot of backstory for different characters up front and then they come together. This is, you know, to your point, you see them all together in a clump and then you see them you know, in the wild separately. Yeah. And actually that is my ultimate takeaway from this movie and kind of what I want to see in the franchises a little bit more is to studios, even if it's your property and you don't want to, you don't want to think about bumming people out, be daring and let a team fail. I, I you know, the, the Great Escape is still ultimately a feel-good movie even though the end credit is for the 50 for the 50 men who were executed trying to get away with this true story um you don't like there there is a lot of failure there's only very few of them who get away clean very very few of them who get away clean very few of them who even make it out of the camp so ultimately it's kind of all for naught and yet you still want to stay with it you know i i feel like we're getting away from that, that we want to give everybody a neat little package, that we don't want to tell the Empire Strikes Back anymore. But at the same time, I feel like we have to. Once in a while, a hero has to fall. And, and I think that was why I liked this movie. And maybe why I kind that maybe maybe that was kind of what I want from Trek at this point. Like we're getting with this cast, we're getting to the point where I need them to take a loss. They could have killed someone. Sure. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, and then that's, I... That could have killed someone we knew versus seeing nameless Richards, you know, get sucked out in a holes in space and whatnot. And, and, and let's be honest, let them stay dead. Because in our, in our comic book society, we're always thinking, well, they're coming back. It's like, no, 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 you know what? Write somebody out. You know, you've got, you've, in a, in a cast like this, you can afford to lose one. Um, it's, and, that, and that's the thing, is, is I feel like a movie like The Great Escape, where, where you lose a few, and you still end up with the audience coming away entertained and, and loving it. I think that's a proof that it can be done. So there we go. There's some great movies. Splendid. Yeah. Thank you. Um, that is episode 162 of the Matinee Cast. Come on back on Monday, August 15th for episode 163. Not sure what we're going to talk about yet. It might be Cafe Society. Uh, it might be something special if I can get my ducks in a row. Um, but we will be back on the 15th for sure. Uh, Pete can be found on Hooray for Everything in a Tiff. Um, you guys are you're sort of taking the summer, summer off, right? But you're going to get into... We're starting I was again. Say, season's coming up I'm soon. I'm doing man. Dirty Lo-Fi with special guest Mel. I have another, we posted our first new episode last week and 
Uh, we're talking about the new ticketing system on the TIFF website. So <laughs> if you're confounded, you should So are be. you, yeah. Yeah, so you know that feeling that you get in ends when somebody's walking down a dark corridor? That's how you should feel about the new website. Gotcha. So I'm spending probably a lot of time on that this year. Where can each people episode. find that? You tiff.com. Very nice. Also on iTunes in space, uh, space tip. Very nice. So the first new episode about the new sites there, and the next one will be posted this week. Nice. And if people want to follow you on Twitter, where can they find you? Obesa Kantawit. O-B-E-S-A-C-A-N-T-A-V-I-T. It's the fat lady who sung, people. My site is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes by going to thematinee.ca slash podcasting. You can also find them on Stitcher Radio, Blueberry, Apple's podcast app, Pocket Cast, the iTunes Store, and some other crazy third-party app that Brian Rowan uses. Uh, they all give you ways to subscribe for free and get alerts for new episodes when they drop. Feedback on Star Trek Beyond, The Great Escape, or Aliens can be left in the comments section of the site. You can email Ryan at thematinee.ca. Twitter, where I'm Matt underscore CA on Facebook.com slash Dark Any final thoughts, darling? Just everything is funded. <laughs> For Patula, I'm Ryan. We'll see you at the matinee.